Andrew Womack Ministries presents part five in the How to Find God's Will series, a five-part album. This message is titled, Knowing God's Word. We pray that the Word of God will come alive in your heart as you listen. Praise the Lord. I've been teaching on how to find God's will for your life. And the first night, I basically just tried to share that God has a pre-planned purpose for your life. It's not up to you to just stumble along and ask God to use what you do. But God created you for a purpose. Your talents, your gifts, everything about you is created and designed for a purpose. He doesn't automatically control that purpose. But He has a purpose for you. And the only chance you have to reach your full potential is to find out God's plan. And you have to pursue it. It doesn't happen accidentally. And then on uh, Friday morning, I talked about how I used two examples of Saul who totally missed God's will and because of it had the kingdom rent from him. And David was raised up. It says in 1 Samuel chapter 13, verse 14, that this was to replace Saul and David not, wasn't God's first choice. And I said this to encourage us, that even if you have missed God's will, God can take a misstep and a mistake and turn it around and bring something good out of it. We, you know, David is such an integral part of the Bible and so important. And yet he never would have existed. We wouldn't have known about him if Saul would have obeyed. And so God's second choice can be awesome. And then I even showed how that David in 2 Samuel chapter 12 sinned with, David, with Bathsheba and killed Bathsheba's husband and committed adultery and did terrible things. And yet the child, the second child that was born to that marriage, they called Solomon, but God called him Jedidiah, which meant beloved of God. And God took a situation, an adulterous affair, once they had repented and turned it into a great thing that the next king was raised up, the man who became the richest man that has ever lived on the earth and all of these things. So anyway, even if you feel like, man, I've messed up, God is at least as good as GPS is what I said. He can recalculate and he can get you from where you are back to where he wanted you to be and so be encouraged. Then last night I started sharing Romans chapter 12. And these are the verses that God used to really change my life. And it says that the God's will for every person is to be a living sacrifice. And so many people are looking for what God wants them to do, but they aren't being the person that God wants you to be. The Lord wants you to be before you do. You're a human being, not a human doing. And if you would find a relationship with the Lord and submit yourself to Him, you would wind up serving God more accidentally than you ever have on purpose before. If God can get your heart, He'll get your service. And this is a lot of people bypass this step, and that's the reason that even if they find God's will, they mess it up. And I think that this is why so many ministers today fall and uh, get into sexual affairs, steal money, uh, do things is because they they discovered the anointing that was on their life and they tried to circumvent God's system and they tried to get there and they kicked the doors down themselves. They wrote on somebody's coattail or did something and they didn't have the maturity that they needed to be able to do it. When you get into a position of leadership, it doesn't matter if it's in the body of Christ or if it's in the secular world or whatever, Satan is going to take a shot at you. You know, when I was in the military... 
I had a problem with saluting. I didn't like saluting. I don't know why, but it just bothered me. And I remember I was always wondering about, did they make eye contact? Am I supposed to salute? And I was bothered by it. And uh, I remember in Fort Dix, New Jersey, this guy was walking by and I didn't think he really looked at me. So I walked by and didn't salute him. And he grabbed me by the fatigue right here. And he says, if you ever see me coming, you better salute or I'll court martial you. And so, man, I saluted this guy right away. And I, yes, sir. And so I saluted people that were privates. I just started saluting just in case something was wrong. And then I got over to Vietnam and in Vietnam, I was walking across a fire support base, which was way out. We were only 144 people on a hill, 45 miles from the nearest U.S. emplacement. And we were surrounded by the Viet Cong and it was a dangerous situation. And there was a guy, bald headed colonel comes walking across the hill and I saw him and I saluted him and the guy threw me on the ground and said, if you ever see my bald head coming again, you better run the other way or I'll kill you. You never salute me. And I thought, which is it? Do you salute or do you not salute? And I was perplexed and I said, what's wrong with me saluting? And he says, out here in the fire support base, he says, the Vietnamese, if they have a sniper, they aren't going to kill the prophet. They're going to kill the colonel. They will kill the one that you salute. And he says, you don't salute out here. And I said, yes, sir. <laughs> but my point is that the devil goes after people in leadership. Because if you can kill the colonel, you can affect hundreds and hundreds of people that he's uh, instructing. And so the moment you become a leader, Satan is going to attack you. And if you haven't become a living sacrifice, and if Jesus isn't in control of your life and things like this, it makes you a target. And so one of the reasons that people don't find God's will is because the Lord doesn't want to put you in the enemy's crosshairs because you haven't got the maturity to be able to do it. You've got to yield yourself to the Lord. And when you get usable, God will use you. Quit praying for God to use you. Pray and say, God, make me usable. And the moment you get usable, God will use you. That usually goes over about like that, but it's the truth. It's the truth. And then this morning, I tried to balance this with Romans chapter 12, verse 2, where it says, And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And I tell you, you cannot just constantly be saying, Oh God, here I am, use me and commit yourself to the Lord. As good as that is, which I really emphasize that, and most people don't do that step. I am not trying to minimize that at all, but it has to be followed up and balanced with you've got to renew your mind by the Word of God. And I think that this... There are probably more people committed to God as far as willing to lay down their life and serve Him than there are people who know the Word of God. Now that's an opinion. I'm not sure that I can prove that. But in my estimation dealing with people, there's a lot of people who love God and they're sincere. And they really do love God. And they don't have a clue what the Word of God says. And that makes you fertile ground for the devil to steal, kill, and to destroy. It's the truth that sets you free. 
And I could go back through history. I've read a lot of things and you can look at some of the people who were mightily used of God. I'm thinking of C.T. Studd who was a great cricket player in England. And he started the, um, what was it, the African... Anyway, he was a great missionary in uh, Africa, I believe it was, and saw some great things happen. But did you know he was willing to die for the Lord? He lost his wife and his daughter to sickness and disease because they didn't know the truth and they thought that this was the price that you had to pay. They didn't understand healing and Satan snuffed their life out because they didn't understand the Word of God. And I could go and show you Hudson Taylor started the China Inland Mission and so many people who've been mightily used of God and had a commitment to God but didn't know the Word about the baptism of the Holy Spirit and healing and deliverance and because of it suffered things and Satan was able to snuff out their ministry and short, uh, shorten their ministry because they didn't know the truth. I think that there is a tremendous lack of Truth, renewing our mind. And again, I go back to Romans chapter 12, verse 2, that if you are not conformed to this world, but if you are transformed like a little worm become, comes out a butterfly, if you get transformed, metamorphosis, you do it by the renewing of your mind, then the results is you do prove the good, the acceptable, and the perfect will of God. It will happen. It is impossible for you to be completely committed to God with the truth and miss God's will. It can't happen. It does not happen. This is the guarantee. Romans 12, 1 and 2. You do these things, you will prove the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. And yet in this meeting, we had people stand who did not know for sure what God's will for their life was. And I'd say it was at least 70%. It could have been 80% or more of the people stood. And you know what that says? That you either aren't absolutely committed to God with all of your heart or you haven't renewed your mind. You don't know, you, you haven't been transformed by the renewing of your mind or a combination of those two. And that's not a criticism, but I'm saying this is a promise. You do that and you will know the good and the acceptable and the perfect will of God. And so there has to be an emphasis on this, and we just need to emphasize how important the Word of God is. This is how God leads you. This is God's map. This is God's direction to us. You know, if we got GPSs today and things like that, and we got signs on our roads that you could probably get somewhere without a map or something today because we have other things. But you have to have something to tell you where to go. Like if you wanted to go from here to Colorado, you can't just start driving. I've got a great sense of direction. I can always tell you which direction north, south, east, and west is. And you know what? I can eventually get there. But uh, if you just you know, perceive that Colorado was this direction and started driving, you might drive through the Gulf of Mexico before you get there. Amen. <laughs> You need a map. You need to know how to do something. And yet a lot of Christians are trying to arrive at a destination and they don't know what the Word says, which tells us how to follow God's guidance and get places. And I just can't overemphasize how important this is. So I just want to continue along those lines tonight and talk about how essential the Word of God is to you finding God's will for your life. A lot of people look at this and say, well, this was a book that was written thousands of years ago. What does this have to do with me? You know, I could spend all night answering that question, but let me just say that if that's the attitude that you've got, you don't understand that this book is alive. 
Hebrews 4.12 says the Word of God is quick. That means alive and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, and is a discerner and, and joint marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. Did you know that that verse right there, I could preach on that all night. But I'm not going to preach on this exclusively. But it says that it is so sharp that it can pierce even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit. It implies that to know the difference between soul and spirit is hard. And it is. It is hard to know. And I could teach on this. You need to get my teaching on spirit, soul, and body. Because most people don't know the difference between soul and spirit. But your spirit is a part of you that's born again. And that always is like Jesus. It has the mind of Christ in it. You have gifts of the Spirit such as love, joy, peace, long-suffering. That's the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and temperance. Galatians 5, and 23. Those things are always in your spirit. And some of you are looking at me with this strange look like, What? Did you know that there has never been a moment since you've been born again that you haven't had peace in your heart? And some of you, oh yeah, there is. Man, I just live in turmoil and I'm hurt. No, you're in your soulish realm. I can teach on this and prove it to you, but your spirit is identical to Jesus. It has the mind of Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 16. 1 John chapter 2, verse 20. You have an unction from the Holy One and you know all things. And somebody says, no, I don't know all things. Not with your little peanut brain. You can prove that. Some of you can lose your glasses and they'll be on your head and you can't even find them. But you know what? Your spirit man knows everything. You have an answer to everything. Your spirit man has the mind of Christ and it's a special anointing from God and you know all things. That's what the Bible says. Well, if I knew that, I'd know it. No, you don't. Because it's in your spirit and, to, and you cannot perceive spiritual things by carnal means. And most of us are carnal. Carnality physicalness, your sense knowledge, what you see, taste, hear, smell, and feel are all parts of your soul. But in your spirit, you are identical to Jesus. You have His power, His anointing, His wisdom, His joy, peace, love. It's always there. Well, how how do I find that? The Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword and it'll divide between soul and spirit. It'll show you that this is how you feel, but this is who you are. The Word of God will help you to do that. And really, it's as simple as you just have to discern. Is this the flesh or is it the spirit that has given me this feeling? That's really how simple finding God's will is. But it's not easy because most of us don't know what's in our spirit. We don't think spiritually. I couldn't tell you how many people have come up to me and said things like, well, man, I'm just totally discouraged and depressed. And I say, well, are you born again? Oh, yeah, I'm born again. Are you spirit-filled? Yeah, I'm spirit-filled and I speak in tongues. That just overwhelms me. And somebody said, well, what's wrong with that? Because your spirit has never been depressed. There isn't any discouragement in your spirit. Your spirit is identical to Jesus. It says in 1 John chapter 4, verse 17, As Jesus is, 
So are we in this world. Not so are we going to be in the next world, but so are we in this world. And people think, well, now that's not true. You go look in a mirror and you see zits and gray hairs and bulges and ugly. And you think, this isn't like Jesus. Your physical body isn't like Jesus, but your spirit is identical to Jesus. And some of you don't know it because we haven't been in the Word and we don't know what the Word says about us. And we just assume that if it was true, I'd know it. If I had love, I'd know it. No, you don't. It says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14, you know what I'm doing? I'm just, I'm, um, I'm modeling. I'm acting out. I'm giving you an illustration of what I'm talking about. See, the Word tells you things that you don't intuitively know. It says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14, that the natural man cannot receive the things of the Spirit of God because they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. There are some things you can only discern spiritually. You can't tell what your spirit's like. You can't go look in a mirror and see your spirit. You can't feel around and see your spirit. You can't feel with your emotions and say, well, if I had joy, I'd know it. No, you can't because it's spiritually discerned. How do you know what's true in the spirit? John chapter 6 verse 63 says, The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. The only way you can know what's going on in the Spirit is the Word. The Word tells you what is true in the Spirit and who you are. The Word is quick and powerful and it divides and even cuts and shows you what's in your Spirit. And if you don't know the Word of God, then you will be abandoned to saying, Well, I need healing, but I don't have a tingling. I don't feel a burning. I still feel pain. I got a doctor's report. And your five senses will dominate you when the whole time the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives on the inside of you and it can't get out because you aren't letting the Word of God speak and direct you. Man, that's a mouthful. It took me 20 years to say what I've just told you. That's powerful. And most people, it just goes right over their head because again, most of us don't let the Word of God reveal who we are and what we have. People are praying for results instead of taking the Word of God and finding out what they've got and using the Word of God like a sword. Look at this verse over in 2 Peter chapter 1. This is the Apostle Peter speaking and he says in verse 1, Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and of our Savior, Jesus Christ. You know, there's some people that say, Oh, I know faith works. I know that if you pray for me, it'll work. Faith works. I just don't have any. Would you please pray for me? This is written to people who have like precious faith. And if you look that up in the Greek, it means identical faith. This is written to people who have the same identical faith that Peter had. And if you say, oh, I couldn't claim that. Well, then just tear Second Peter out of your Bible. Because this is who it's written to. If you don't want to tear 2 Peter out of your Bible, you know what? You need to say, well, I don't feel like i got faith. But the truth is, if you've been born again, you have as much faith as Jesus had. As much faith as Peter had. Peter walked on the water. People, Peter saw Dorcas raised from the dead. Peter did great miracles. His shadow would touch people. Every person in here who's been born again and baptized in the Holy Spirit has enough power and anointing on the inside of you to raise the dead, to walk on water and have your shadow heal people. Every one of you. 
And somebody say, oh, well, yeah, I got it, but it's just in little seed form. It hadn't grown yet. You know what? I'm not even going to go there. <laughs> but your, your faith isn't growing. Faith is complete. You've already got the fullness of faith on the inside. The problem is you don't know what you got. You got to renew your mind. Philemon chapter 1 verse 6 says, The communication of your faith becomes effectual by the acknowledging of every good thing that is in you in Christ Jesus. The way your faith becomes effectual, that means it begins to work, is by acknowledging what you already have. Not by getting God to give you more faith or getting God to grow it or please increase my faith. The disciples asked that in the 17th chapter of the book of Luke and he told them, you don't need more faith. Use what you got. You don't need more faith. You got to find out that you've already got faith. Well, how am I supposed to know that? The Word of God is quick and powerful and it'll show you these things. The Word is spirit and it is life and it'll show you this. And so the Word, 2 Peter, is written to those who have like precious faith. And then it says in the next verse, Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of our Lord Jesus. I couldn't tell you how many people. I had a couple of people tonight say, Would you please pray for me that I just have peace and things like that? I said, I can't get you peace by praying. And I bet you there's a lot of people sitting right here in this room that have prayed and asked God, Oh God, I need peace. You're in a trying situation. And God, would you just please give me peace? This says peace, grace and peace comes through the knowledge of Him. No knowledge, no peace. Isaiah 26, 3 says the Lord will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed upon him because he trusteth in him. Peace is tied to what you know. If you knew the word of God, if you knew all of these things, you would have peace. If you don't know, if you have wrong knowledge, you can't help but be depressed. Did you know if you don't have your mind renewed and if you aren't seeing things from God's perspective and seeing through faith... Something's wrong with you if you aren't bothered. I don't know if you got that. But we live in a corrupted world. We live in a world that is spiraling out of control. Things are going bad. And if you aren't upset, it's because you aren't paying attention. But if you see things from God's perspective, then regardless, you can actually take scriptures that says when you see all these terrible things happen, wars and rumors of wars and earthquakes... Like in Haiti, boy, it's just right up to date. Earthquakes and pestilence like the H1N1 swine flu that was a pandemic and supposed to kill everybody and there's been very little in impact. And all of these other things, it says rejoice and lift up your head because your redemption draws nigh. If you take the word of God, you can actually rejoice and think, man, our time's getting close. It's got to be close. Jesus is coming back any moment. If you have the right knowledge, you can have peace. But if you don't see things from God's perspective, if you're just looking at the world getting worse and worse and worse, something's wrong with you if you aren't bothered. You can't operate contrary to your dominant thought. So we've got to renew our mind. And this is saying that grace and peace is multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God. If you don't have knowledge, you aren't going to have peace. And it doesn't matter how much you pray. You can have people pray for you until they rub all the hair off the top of your head and you are not going to have peace until you renew your mind and get your mind stayed on Jesus. And those are the ones that He keeps in perfect peace. And then the next verse says, 
according as his divine power hath given unto us all things. You know what this really means in the Greek? It means all things. It means he gave us everything. There is nothing that is, does not come through the knowledge of him that has called us to glory and virtue. Do you need to be well tonight? Well, I just need you to pray for me. I need the anointing. Oh God, stretch forth your hand. According to the word, if it's one of those all things, which includes all things, then that means you need knowledge. You don't know what you've got. You don't know what Jesus has done. You've got a flaw in your thinking somewhere or healing would be working in your body. Well, I need joy and peace. Well, you need knowledge because all things... Oh, well, that's not my problem. I've got a chemical imbalance. No, you've got a knowledge imbalance. You've bought into a lie. Somebody says, well, now, wait a minute. They gave me this pill and it changes my mood. Well, sure, there's mood-altering drugs. But did you know that your depression and things like this is not the cause, that's the symptom. And you can treat the symptoms and you can give a person a pill and you can give them a shock treatment and erase part of their brain and mellow them out and get them to where they're in a vegetative state and walk through life like that. But you know what? You aren't treating the root cause. Your emotions respond to the way you think. And if you have all of these problems that are diagnosed as a chemical imbalance, your chemicals are out of balance because you're thinking wrong. And I know somebody's thinking, who are you to say this? You don't have a medical license. I'm standing on the scriptures where it gives you a command. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. The Lord would have been unjust to tell you to rejoice always and not let your heart be troubled. John 14, 1 and John 16, 33. In the world you're going to have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. The Lord would be unjust to give you a command like that if you couldn't do it if you had a chemical imbalance. He would have had to say, now everybody rejoice in the Lord except those with chemicals imbalances. <laughs> and because he didn't put any disclaimers on it, then I know that your chemical imbalance or whatever they're doing, those are the byproducts, the symptoms of the wrong thinking. You know, your body will respond to you. You can, Mary Queen of Scots, I think it was, was going to be executed. And the night before her execution, so much fear and dread and terror came in her that she was a redhead and she turned white-haired in one night through fear. Your emotions, your thinking can affect your physical body. Everybody sees that. You can see people that their body language is, that they're timid and they're shy. And you can see things and tell things about people. You can tell people that have lived a hard life. It shows on their face. The doctors will tell you that stress will cause all kinds of physical symptoms and problems and stuff like this. Yes, I believe that there are people with chemical imbalances, but the chemical imbalance isn't the thing that's causing their depression. It's their depression that caused the chemical imbalance. That's like the study that they spent, I think it was $30 million. I read about this on an airplane. And they did a study for $30 million over like 10 years and came up with this conclusion that people that smile more are happier than people that don't smile. <laughs> They spent $30 million on that study. 
And when I read that, I thought, I bet you that the reason they're happier is why they smile. It's not the smiling that makes them happier. It's the happiness that causes them to smile. And these, these geniuses couldn't figure that out. I'm not saying that you don't have a chemical problem, but the chemical problem is your body responding to stinking thinking. If you keep your mind stayed on the Lord, he will keep you in perfect peace, period. I don't care if you've got a chemical imbalance. I don't care what this is or what that is. You can control yourself. Amen. And just because I'm not a doctor and people think, well, you aren't qualified. Well, they don't know what the word says. I may not know what medicine says, but they don't know what the word says. I'm telling you, this says all things. That means all things. That means that there is nothing that uh, pertains to life and godliness, which the Lord says he came to give you life and to give it to you more abundantly. Talking about abundant life. And Jesus proved that he went about healing all that were oppressed of the devil in Acts chapter 10, verse 38. Not oppressed of God, they were oppressed of the devil. And everything that it takes, healing, joy, peace, prosperity, abundance, vision, and blessing, and just anything that's good comes through the knowledge of Him that has called you to glory and virtue. Well, where is this knowledge? In the fourth verse, it says, "...whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises." that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. This knowledge has given us these exceeding great and precious promises, the Word of God. The Word of God is the knowledge of God. And everything that you need, everything that you need comes through the knowledge of God, comes through the Word of God. If you have a problem, you've got a knowledge problem. If you knew what the Word of God says about finances, you would be blessed. Now, I have to put a little caveat on that, and that is that you've got to do. Faith without works is dead. It's not only knowledge. It's assuming that you're going to act on the knowledge that you have. But if you aren't prosperous, you either don't know what the Word of God says or you aren't doing what the Word of God says because I guarantee you God has promised you prosperity. If you aren't healthy, you either don't know or you aren't acting on what you've been told. That's tight, but it's right. If you aren't blessed, if you aren't excited, if you don't have vision, if you aren't rejoicing in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice, then it's because you don't understand how good God is and how He's got everything under control and He's going to win and it's all going to turn out and your supply is bigger than your need. And you don't understand something. There is no problem. Nobody in here has got a problem that is bigger than God's supply. And yet most people think that they do. We've got a knowledge problem because the Word of God hasn't been there. And I guarantee you, if we don't get out of this thinking that has pressed us into the way the world thinks and renew our mind, then you are not going to prove the good, the acceptable, and the perfect will of God. We've got to find out what the Word of God says. We've got to get into the Word of God. Look over in Psalms chapter 119. I just want to share a couple of verses. I'm going to try and hurry through this. But in Psalms 119, it's the longest chapter in the Bible. Every verse is about the importance of the Word of God. And it may use words like the law of the Lord, the statutes of the Lord, the fear of the Lord, 
the judgments of the Lord, but it's all talking about the word of God. And these are just a few of the promises in verse nine, Psalms 119 verse nine, wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way by taking heed thereunto according to thy word. When the Lord first touched my life and, and had this experience I talked about last night, you know, one of the things I was, I was praying one time, kneeling around my bed and I had seen the glory of God. I had a small taste that God was more awesome than any of us have ever manifested. And I, I didn't get this because I'd been in a meeting and I saw something or heard it. I was still in a Baptist church and they told me that God died with the apostles and miracles didn't happen anymore. I'm not bitter, amen. I'm not trying to rag on the Baptists, but I'm saying they did not teach that there is supernatural power available today. They taught against it and explained that all of these things were happening because God doesn't do miracles. So I did not get it out of church. I didn't hear somebody preach this. But when I saw the Lord, I just knew. He communicated to my heart that the miracles that He did in the Bible were supposed to be happening today. That we were supposed to be walking in power and victory. And I just knew that there was a, a million times more than what I had ever seen or ever heard about. And I was kneeling around my bed praying and saying, God, how do I get from here to there? I don't know anybody who's ever done this. At the time, I didn't know that there had been a person healed in the last 2,000 years. I didn't know that miracles had happened. I didn't know that anything like this was going on. As far as I knew, there wasn't any miracles in the world. And I said, God, how do I get from here to there? And I remember opening my eyes and looking and my Bible was laying on my bed and the Lord just spoke to me and He says, If you'll put my word in your heart, it'll teach you everything you need to know. And I knew that was God speaking to me. And boy, that just right there solved my problem. And I began to just pour myself into the Bible and study the word and renew my mind. And I can guarantee you, I saw people heal before I knew that there was another person that had ever seen a healing in the last 2,000 years. I, didn't, I thought I was the first person. I didn't know that anybody had ever seen healing. And I was so excited. But you know what? The Word of God will just teach you things. It'll cleanse your ways. It'll make you different. And this is one of the verses that I said, God, I'm standing on this scripture. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way by taking heed thereunto according to thy word. Over in Psalms 119 verse 99, it says, I have more understanding than all my teachers for thy testimonies are my meditation. How is it that you get understanding? The testimonies of God, the Word of God. You take the Word of God, you meditate in it day and night. Joshua chapter 1 verse 9 says this book, or verse 8 I guess it is, says this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate therein day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written therein for then. Then when? When you have meditated in it, word, day and night, then you make your way prosperous. Then you have good success. Everybody wants to be prosperous and have good success, but we want to do it without meditating in the word day and night. It would interfere with my TV schedule. It would interfere with, it would interfere with my uh, uh, football or hobbies or, you know, and all these other things. I've just got so many things that are so more important than the word. God loves you. God's not mad at you. You can go to heaven and not know the Word and you'll get there quicker. <laughs> Amen? But if you want victory, if you want to understand, you've got to meditate in the Word. And that gives you understanding. In Psalms 119, verse 
105, it says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. We're talking about how to find God's will. And you know, one of the ways that God shows you, it's not like he shows you the end of the path down there. It says he directs your steps. He'll show you your next step. He doesn't show you step one through a hundred. Why would God show you one through a hundred? Because that would make you accountable and responsible for all of those things he's shown you. Again, because God loves you, you know, he'll just show you his will one step at a time. And if you don't take this step, why should he show you the next 10 steps and make you responsible and accountable and even receive more condemnation for not fulfilling that? The Lord will just show you one step at a time. And how is it that you see that? The word is a lamp under my feet and a light under my path. He won't show you the end of the path. He'll show you one thing at a time. In our Bible college, we have people all of the time who say, well, I know that God wants me to go to Bible school, but... And they're trying to see the end of how this is going to work out. So what is going to happen after two or three years of Bible school? And how am I going to do all of these things? And, and they're looking way down the road and trying to figure this out. And unless they can see the end result and know that everything along the way is going to work out, they won't obey God. I remember one guy coming into my office and he sat down and he says, I know God told me to come to Bible college, but. And then he started telling me what his parents said, what his pastor said about his job, his girlfriend, this, that. And he told me this and that and everything. And he named all of these things. And he says, so what do you think? And I said, you lost me the moment you said God told you. I said, if God told you, then forget all the rest of that. Who cares? And he said, but what about all this stuff? I said, who cares? If God told you to go to Bible school, then just go to Bible school. And if it hair lips every devil in hell, just do it. <laughs> well, what if I... You know, we had one guy one time that says, I'm homeless. I'm living on the street. I can't come to Colorado, but I know God told me to go to Bible school. And I told him, I said, we got streets out here. You can live <laughs> under a bridge out here. That's not an excuse. If God told you to come to Bible school, hitchhike and then sleep under a bridge if you have to. Amen. It's just amazing to me how people think. Here's God Almighty who's got a universe to run and billions of people praying to him. And he has time to talk to you and tell you to do something. And then you try and reason it out and figure out whether you're going to do it or not. What's wrong with you? That's like the president of the United States calling you up and going to all of this effort to talk to you. And you say, oh, well, thanks. I might or might not talk to him. I, I don't know. It's not important. Boy, something's wrong with you. God Almighty tells you something, then you just do it. And, well, what's going to happen if I do it? Who cares what's going to happen if you do it? It's up to God. See, you aren't a living sacrifice if that's the way you think. You're still thinking about yourself and you aren't absolutely convinced that God is for you. You think maybe He's going to do something to hurt you. God's plans for you are better than your plans for yourself. You just do it. You know, if I wanted to, I could sit down and think about $40 million that I've obligated myself to and I could sit down and anticipate what happens if it quits coming in? What happens if I obligate myself and then the 
the finances dry up and what about and I could sit down and think about all of this stuff and become fearful and bothered and get full of unbelief and I could do all of that or I could just I know that this is what God has told me to do I mean I'd have, like Jamie said we'd have had to backslide on God and spend ten times as much money for something worth less and I mean you know what I've just I'm not the sharpest knife in the drawer but I can tell that this is the will of God and so I just do it Somebody says, this could totally destroy your ministry. Well, I'd rather destroy it and trust God and do what God told me to do than play it safe and miss God and get up before the Lord. And he says, why didn't you do it? Well, God, did you know all of these potential problems? <laughs> he says, I was going to take care of everything. You know what? I don't want any of the miracles that God's put on the inside of me left on the inside of me. I want to get them all out. I want to go for it. Man, we just need to go for it. The Lord will show you the good and the acceptable and then the perfect will of God. It comes in steps and stages and yet people, well, what about five years from now? My, my retirement's coming up and God spoke to me. I think I'll wait five or ten years and then when I go, I'll have all of my retirement and I'll be fully vested and I'll have all of this money in the 401k and that makes more sense than what God is saying right now. You know, I'm not against that. You can do whatever you want to. But if God told you right now, I'd do it. Hang your retirement. Forget anything. If God spoke to you, God knows what He's doing. You know, we've got a girl over in St. Petersburg, Russia. Carrie, her name was Nordquist. Now she's Pickett. And she was a real attractive young girl. She was only, I think, what, 20 or 21 when she went to Russia. And she went over to Russia and laid her life down and started serving the people. Now she's fluent in Russian and God's using her in a mighty way. And you know what? She just... You know, most young people, well, I've got to find a mate. I'm a, I don't want to go to a foreign mission field and miss my potential husband. And so Carrie went over there. And guess what? Her husband was in St. Petersburg. He was an American from Pittsburgh in St. Petersburg. And they got together and they love each other. It's awesome. And they're serving God. And she found God's will over there. But most people would have reasoned that, you know what? I, I've got to get married. I've got to take care of myself. What about me? What about this? If God tells you to do something, just do it. And forget the consequences. Man, we just, God's not going to show you the end. He's going to show you step by step. And the Word is a lamp under your feet. It'll just, you know, a lamp, if you're out in pitch darkness, a lamp isn't going to illuminate something a hundred yards down the road. But it'll show you the next step. And this is the way that the Word is. The Word will show you step by step what you're supposed to do. And, and you'll be reading and God will tell you something. And so you just act on that. And when you step into what God tells you, then you'll be able to see the next step. And the next step. And the next step. And this is how it comes. It's, it's uh, the good and the acceptable and the perfect will of God. Mark chapter 4, the parable about the uh, man that threw seed in the ground. It says that the seed springs and grows up. First the blade, then the ear, and then the full corn in the ear. You don't get the full corn in the ear immediately. It has to grow. The will of God comes step by step by step. And I've used this logic on a lot of people. I had a Bible college student that had been brought up 
and he had mental problems and he had been in an institution his entire life. And he was 40-something years old and came to school. And the guy had zero social skills. I mean, he would sit in front of the class and pick his nose and turn around so everybody could see him doing it. He was just, I mean, he had no social skills. But this guy was a really nice, I liked him. I liked him. He, his heart was sincere. He was just as sincere as he could possibly be. He just didn't know. And so I took him under my wing and I started trying to get this guy to become functional and do things. And he had, he had never worked a job in his life. He had never done anything. And I started teaching him uh, the book of Proverbs. And we read it because it says it'll give wisdom to the simple. And I started studying the book of Proverbs and having special meetings with him outside of class. And did you know this guy started getting a hold of it and started believing that he could prosper? And anyway, he came in to me one time and there was a hotel in Manitou Springs that had burned. It was a rock hotel, but the inside had burned. And it, would, it had like 150 rooms in it and it had been derelict for years. And he went over and found out how much it cost to buy it. It was like one and a half million dollars. He checked with a contractor and it was going to be a three to four million dollar project to fix it up. And then he figured out renting out the rooms, how much he could get, how many rooms there were. And he brought this whole plan to me that was really well thought out and said he could buy that building and for probably five million dollars he could renovate it, put all of the CBC students in it, start a cash flow and it would work. And he was so excited about all of this and came to me and he says, look what God is showing me to do. And you know, I tried to be nice and I said, look, man, it's great that you're dreaming. But I said, this is not God's will for you. And it's just like you deflated his balloon. It, it, it was like, how could you say that? And he started going back through the figures and I said, all the figures are great. But I said, Jerry, you have never worked a job in your life. You have never made 10 cents in your life. And you're believing for $5 million? You have never managed anything in your life. And all of a sudden, you're going to manage this project and run this? I said, it's great that you're dreaming and maybe 10, 20 years in the future this will work. But I said, you got to walk before you run. If you can't jump from here to the front row, you can't jump from here to the back row. I said, you can't do a $5 million project when you've never worked for a dollar in your entire life. It's not God. And the guy took offense over it. But you know what? It wasn't God. And it didn't come to pass. And he did start working and he went out and took it my advice and started pumping gas at a service station. And he, he's working his way up and things are working. I had another guy come to me at the same time and there was a need in Colorado Springs for the youth to do something. So he found an old abandoned Kmart building, was going to buy it for $2 million, put $2 million into it and start a youth center. And he showed me all of the statistics about it. And it was true. We do need a youth center and all of the things were good. And so I started asking him, I said, have you ever taught a Bible study? No. Have you ever worked in a youth group? No. Have you ever dealt with youth? No. He'd never done anything. And I said, it's a great idea, but it won't work for you. And he says, why not? And he started trying to justify it by the need. And I said, it's first the blade, then the ear, and then the full corn in the ear. You have never been used a little bit. You aren't going to be used a lot. God's will doesn't come to pass. You know, for you to go from here to there instantly is wrong. You have to accelerate. It takes time to build up speed. For you to go from zero to a thousand miles an hour instantly is an acceleration. That's a wreck. It'll kill you. You can't do it. 
There's a growth process. The good, the acceptable, and the perfect will of God. The blade, the ear, and then the full corn in the ear. It, there is a process to it, and it's, the Word is going to be a lamp to your feet. It'll just show you the next step and the next step. And then after a while, you get back seeing all of the things you've done, and it's pretty obvious. Oh, God's leading me in this direction, and maybe you get a bigger picture. But you know what? You don't get it all at once. Now, the Lord showed me a long time ago that I was going to minister to vast numbers of people, and I had dreams, but I didn't know how it was going to be. I didn't know it was through radio and television. I never even dreamed of a Bible college, but the Lord showed me to disciple people. From the very beginning, He showed me that the way we were making converts isn't the way to do it. And this is the reason I put all my emphasis on teaching people instead of just exciting people and motivating people. I try and explain things to people. And so the Lord gave me the tools and gave me this desire, but I didn't know it was going to be a Bible college until 1993 is when the Lord spoke that to me. And so things have come step by step by step. This is what it's saying. The Word of God is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. In verse 130 it says, The entrance of thy words giveth light. It gives understanding unto the simple. Man, I rely on this one. I'm pretty simple. I have people come up and say, You make the Bible so simple. That's because I'm so simple. I don't know any complicated stuff. Amen. <laughs> This gives understanding unto the simple. Did you know one of the words in the Bible that is, um, let's see, it talks about philosophy in Colossians chapter 2 verse 8. It says, don't let any man spoil you through philosophy. You know what the word philosophy literally means, the Greek word? It means Jewish sophistication. You can become sophisticated. You can become too smart for your own good. You know what? God gives understanding to the simple. He says in uh, Romans chapter 16, I believe it's verse 19, He says, I would have you to be wise concerning that which is good and simple concerning that which is evil. And the word simple there literally means a simpleton, a person who's retarded. God would have us to be retarded when it comes to evil, but wise good. And the sad fact is we're all too well versed in evil. We are very well versed. We've been taught. We've, we've seen it. We use it for entertainment and everything else. God gives understanding to the simple. Look over in Ephesians chapter 4 at some verses on this. I'm just trying to drive home this point that if you want to know God's Word, will you've got to know God's Word. They're inseparable. In Ephesians chapter 4, do you know I spent one whole year meditating on Ephesians chapter 4, verses 16 through 24. The only time I opened my Bible was to read these verses and then I would go follow it to other verses and do things. But I spent a year meditating on these verses. Somebody thinks, well, boy, you didn't get very much. I could name at least 10 or 15 tape series that I have out there that came from these verses. That was one of the most productive years I ever had in the Bible. Man, the Word of God is so rich that when we just skim through it and hurry through it and we have to read four or five chapters every day, you're missing a lot. Sometimes you have to sit and meditate on things. But here's some of the things the Lord spoke to me. In verse 17, He says, This I say, therefore, 
and testify in the Lord that you henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind. This is explaining how Gentiles, and the word Gentile here means non-Jewish. In our context, it would be a non-believer, a person who doesn't have a relationship with God. Don't walk like people that aren't born again, people that don't know God. How do they walk? In the vanity of their mind. The word vanity, according to the, uh, the Greek word here, it means the inutility and the transientness. Now that's really important. You know what inutility means? It just means you aren't utilizing your brain. People that don't know God don't think. Now that's not the way most people look at it. Most people actually talk about Christians as being the ones that are brainless. And their religion is brainless, but true Christianity is very, very logical. For instance, the scripture says, Be sure your sins will find you out. That's a principle in the Word of God. And we have just read about how many politicians that have an affair, ran for office, refused to admit for years that they were having it, and finally their girlfriend had a baby and a a paternity test proves that it's his. And so now he's admitted and his wife's divorcing him and... He just sat there and didn't use his brain. How can you as a public figure have an affair and think that you're going to get by with it? The guy who was the pastor of the church I used to go, well, I still go to the church, but he used to be the pastor, Ted Haggard, went out and had homosexual affairs. And he, he called the president every week and talked to the president of the United States talked to the leaders of the UK. He was the head of the evangelical church, pastored a church of over 10,000 people. His news was on the television every day and he went out and had homosexual relationships figuring that nobody would notice. How dumb can you get and still breathe? That's inutility of your brain. That is not smart. You know, sin isn't smart. If you'd stop and think about it, to lie and hurt people and to do things is stupid. To commit adultery. Now, don't take offense here. I'm not trying to single people out. I'm just telling you, adultery is stupid. It is. I mean, with sexually transmitted diseases today, it's like playing Russian roulette. Why would you do something like that? And plus, I guarantee you, Satan is setting a snare for you. The Bible, in Proverbs, there's about four chapters in Proverbs devoted to this about how the adulteress is like a person that is setting a trap for you and they're going to take you to hell and the Bible warns you against it and yet people think, oh, I can do this and nothing's wrong with it. The Bible says, uh, I believe it's Psalms chapter 34. It might be 32. It's right in there. I could find it. It says, don't be like a horse or a mule that have no understanding, whose mouth must be held in with bit and bridle. In other words, unless they feel pain, unless there's punishment, they won't turn, they won't do anything. You can't reason with an animal. You got to sit there and use brute force. Don't be like that because there's a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk thou in it. And then it says, he that, lack, that he that commits adultery lacks understanding. Put that together with the verse that says, don't be as a horse or a mule who have no understanding. Don't be like an animal and commit adultery. 
Amen. You know, I'm, I know that what I'm saying, people, oh, I can't believe you're saying this. This is what the Bible says. Yeah, absolutely stupid if you commit adultery. But God loves you stupid. I'm not trying to condemn you. I'm just saying that it's stupid. You aren't using your brain. It's crazy. You know, I've had horses my whole life. And I had these horses, I got my very first stallion I'd ever had. And I'd never had a stallion. All I'd ever had was mares or geldings. And when I got this stallion, I was just absolutely amazed at this stallion. This stallion would cut his own throat to get to that mare if it was her season. I mean, he just, he had no brain whatsoever. It was just all <laughs> testosterone or whatever a horse has. I've never seen anything like it in my life. And if you were riding him when that happened, just <laughs> wasn't good. And anyway, I was leaving to go to England for three weeks and I was building this. I mean, this guy, he would go through barbed wire like it wasn't there. He'd cut himself up. He would do anything. And uh, so I was building this fortress out of logs this big around to hold him in and keep him pinned up to keep him away from the mayor. And uh, I didn't get it finished. I only had three sides of it finished and one side was unfinished. And I was going to put him in there and... What would have happened is, as the mayor and the colt went down on the property somewhere and got out of sight, he would have just gone over or through this barbed wire and around it, and he would have been out, and, uh, and it wouldn't have worked. And so I got to praying, and the Lord brought this scripture to me about, don't be as a horse who has no understanding. Horses aren't dumb, they just don't understand. You can teach them how to do things, but they can't reason. They don't have understanding. And I got to thinking about this. You know what? I'm smarter than this horse. There's bound to be a way to deal with this. And so you know what I did? I turned the horse loose. And he could have gotten over the barbed wire fence. He could have run off. He could have done anything. And what I did was pin the mare up, who the mare wouldn't even step over barbed wire. I knew she wouldn't leave this enclosure. So even though one side of it was unfenced, she would never get out. So I put the mare inside and I counted on the fact that this stallion was just, he was, it was his juices that were driving him and not his brain. And he wouldn't figure out that all he had to do is go around the corner and come in the backside. <laughs> he would take the shortest route between him and that mare. And I had these huge logs built up. And so I turned him loose put the mare up and you know, I came back in three weeks and there was a trench that deep where he had run back and forth right there <laughs> looking at this mare and he never left the property. <laughs> they don't have any understanding. They're just driven by the hormones. You know what? A person that commits adultery doesn't have any understanding. They aren't using their brain. They aren't thinking about what is this going to do to my family? What is this going to do to my reputation? What is this going to do to my body if I get sexually transmitted disease? What is this going to do to the person, a prostitute or whatever? How, how am I abusing a person and enabling a person to live that way? If you used your brain for something besides a hat rack, nobody would ever commit adultery. It is nothing but just an animal drive. You're letting your hormones drive you. And the scripture here is saying, don't be like a lost man that doesn't use his brain. Think sin isn't smart. Sin is emotional. Sin is just hormone driven. 
sexual sins and other sins or because you've been hurt and stuff. If you would use your brain, you wouldn't live that way. And this is saying, don't be like the Gentiles, a non-believer that doesn't use his mind. The inutility or the transientness is the other definition. And the word transient is what we used to call when I was a kid, a homeless person or a, what do you call it? Bum or what is it? What's the politically correct? Anyway, uh, house-challenged person or whatever is politically correct. We used to call them transients. You know why we called them transients? Because they didn't have a dwelling, a place where they dwelled. They would sleep here and there and they would just go around and they were transients. So when you're talking about the transientness of your mind, you're saying that your mind isn't focused. The strength of any person lies in your focus. It's like a laser. If you diffuse it, you dilute it and it loses its power. If you want this beam of light to cut through metal, it's got to be all focused into a pinpoint. Paul said this one thing I do, and that's the reason he turned the world right side up. You've got to be focused if you want to really accomplish something. And the unbelievers aren't focused. They're diffused. If you want to kill a man's vision, give him two. You got to do one thing. Paul said, Philippians chapter 3, this one thing I do, forgetting the things that are behind, I press on towards the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. So don't be like a lost man that doesn't use his brain or allows it to be diffused and distracted with all of the things of this world. And then the next verse, it says, having the understanding darkened. If you aren't focused, if you aren't utilizing your brain, then that causes your understanding to be darkened. And man, there's so many scriptures in the Bible about wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get understanding and with all, I mean, wisdom and with all you're getting, get understanding. You've got to be able to take knowledge and wisdom is the ability to use knowledge and understanding is, is how you are able to sort through this and put things together. And you, you don't understand if you aren't renewing your mind by the Word of God. If you're walking like the world does, it hinders spiritual understanding. And again, I, I know that some people think I'm mean. I'm just trying to get my point across. But I talk to so many people that it's just like they have no spiritual understanding. They cannot connect the dots. They can't see that here they are and they're bitter and they're angry and they're mad at somebody and they don't know that that's not hurting the person, it's poisoning them. That's like you being mad at somebody, so I'm going to drink poison. You didn't hurt them, you hurt yourself. Unforgiveness destroys you and people can't connect these dots. They just have no spiritual understanding. It's amazing. This is talking about your understanding will be in dark and being alienated from the life of God. You have the life of God in you, but if you aren't walking in the Word, if you haven't renewed your mind, then your understanding doesn't work and you're alienated from the life of God. You're an alien. It's like it's on another planet. It's another world. You can't get there from here. You're alienated, separated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. And on and on it goes. I mean, these are strong words, and I know most of us don't like to hear it, but brothers and sisters, this is really... Our society today is not conducive...
to really knowing God. It's an ungodly, anti-Christian society that is promoting values and everything out there is contrary to what God would want us to be. And most of us are plugged into it and because of it, our heart is divided, our understanding is darkened, we're alienated from the life of God, we're ignorant about the truth of God's because we spend 10 hours a day watching junk and we read a little devotional for five minutes and think, well, I've been in the Word today. That's not going to work. You're going to have to renew your mind. Amen or oh me. Look at this passage in Psalms chapter 19. Psalms chapter 19 verse 7 says for the... Um, excuse me, that's the wrong chapter. Chapter 19 verse 7. The law of the Lord is perfect. Not everybody shares this opinion. There's a lot of people that believe that the Bible is not really perfect. They believe it contains the Word of God, but it also contains men's opinion and its mistakes in it and all of this kind of stuff. And you can't really take it word for word. Well, you aren't going to get the full benefit. The Word of God, the law of the Lord is perfect. And that word in the Hebrew is complete. It's complete. It's perfect. Converting the soul. And the word converting means to restore back. You know what? We've all fallen from what God intended us to be. How do you get back? If you've messed up, if you've been discouraged, if you're hurt, if you've lost your joy, your faith or whatever, how do you do it? The Word of God will convert your soul. Your soul is your mental, emotional part of you, not your spirit. Your spirit's perfect. How do you get your soul back up into a level of faith to where you can do the things of God? The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. There it is again. If you're simple, the Word of God will keep you from being simple. It'll make you wise. It'll give you more understanding than all of your teachers. It says the statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. It's amazing to me how many people get discouraged because this happened or that happened and they come and they ask for somebody to just give them joy and pray for them. Would you please cast the depression out of me? The scripture says the word will cause you to rejoice. Instead of going and taking a pill, take the gospel and it'll cause you to rejoice. You know, when I got drafted and sent to Vietnam, when I was in training... Long story, but people persecuted me and hated me. I'd walk into a room, they'd all be talking and they'd see me and they'd shut up and everybody would leave. I'd sit down and everybody would leave. They treated me like the plague. And you know, after about six or eight weeks, it bothered me. And I mean, I, I didn't have a single person talk to me for six weeks. I'd try and talk to them and they'd just treat me like the plague. They called me preacher and they persecuted me and it was bad. And after a while, it began to get to me. And so all of them left on weekend leave. And you know what I did? I just got on my bunk and opened up the Bible. And I spent eight or ten hours reading the Bible. And by the end of those ten hours, I could have run through a trooper, leapt over a wall. Hallelujah. I was on top and I was rejoicing. The Word of God caused me to rejoice. And that's how you deal with discouragement. What people say, you take the Word, the gospel, and you swallow it. And it'll make your heart rejoice. You hadn't got an excuse to be depressed. Well, this, you don't know what they did. Well, you don't know what he did. 
So read about what he did and find out how much God loves you and who cares about who doesn't love you. <laughs> Some of you are looking at me like, you can't live this way. Well, don't wake me up because that's the way I am. <laughs> the statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. We're talking about how to find God's will. This isn't talking about your physical eyes. This is talking about your ability to see with your heart, see by faith, perceive things that you can't see. How do you do that? The Word of God will enlighten your eyes. It will open up your heart. You will know things that you can't know by your head. You can be led by your heart. God can show you things. Brothers and sisters, this is so simple, you've got to have somebody to help you to misunderstand it. This is not complicated. Give yourself 100% to God. Become a living sacrifice and renew your mind. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. In the Word, as you get into the Word, it will enlighten your eyes. It will rejoice your heart. It will convert your soul back to where it needs to be. It will fix whatever's broken. If you've been hurt, get over it. Let the Word of God heal you and set you free. If you've been... If you're a failure and you just are afraid you'll fail again, get in the Word of God and it'll set you free from that. It says, um, the judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold. Most people don't believe that because we spend so much more time working on getting gold and silver than we do the Word of God. But the Word is more valuable to you than gold and silver. You know, again, most of you don't know my testimony, but Jamie and I were so poor that we couldn't pay attention. We struggled, and it was my own fault because I, I was ignorant and made some mistakes. But nonetheless, we were at poverty level for over a decade. There was zero finances. We struggled. We went without eating. We were as poor as... I, I bet you that we've been as poor as any person in here. And you know what? We took the Word of God, and we began to meditate in it. And you know what, now we have to have close to $2 million a month to pay our bills. I'm about to enter into a program where I'm spending $40 million on top of our normal expense. And you know what, it's not a problem. And somebody said, well, how did that happen? Because I meditated in the Word and the Word will teach you how to believe God and how to receive. There is nothing that you need that God's Word won't supply for you. And if that's true, which it is then the answer is as simple as just make yourself completely committed to God as a living sacrifice. Mean it with all of your heart and then stick your nose in the book night and day and change your stinking thinking to where you start thinking according to the Word and all things that pertain unto life and godliness will come through the Word. It will enlighten your path. It will be a light under your feet. It'll show you things. It'll give entrance. Uh, it'll give uh, understanding to the simple. It will cause you to cleanse your ways of whatever you're doing that is allowing Satan to rob you. This is God's answer for whatever your problem is. It's in here. Everything you need is in the Word of God. This is not a book about God. This is a book from God. It is His knowledge. It's His wisdom. And everything you need that pertains unto life and godliness is in here. And if you don't know it, it's hurting you. It's hindering you. Satan takes advantage 
of our ignorance, our lack of knowledge. The Bible says my people perish for a lack of knowledge, and this is what's happening. You know, I pray for people all of the time that I know it's God's will for them to be well, and I know what the Word says. But I know that those people will probably die because they don't know the Word of God. And even though I release healing and I see people that the pain leaves instantly, by the time they get home, Satan will come back and hit them and they won't be able to stand because they don't know what the Word says. And it's sad and it bothers me. And this is the reason that I have put so much effort into teaching. It's the reason I'm trying to raise up other people to go out and begin to start teaching. We've got to get people the truth because you know what? I can pray for you and pray for you and you can get touched, but it's not going to last until you begin to believe. You have to find out these truths. You don't have to have somebody with their collar turned around backwards to do what you are supposed to do. You can find out the truth. God's power is on the inside of you. And brothers and sisters, every one of you have the exact same equipment that I've got. You have the same Spirit of God on the inside, the same faith of God. The only difference is a lack of knowledge and possibly experience using that knowledge. But every one of you can see the dead raised. Every one of you can do these things. It's a command. He commanded us, go out and heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, preach the gospel. He didn't say preach the gospel only. It was preceded by heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead. In the same way that every one of us is supposed to be able to tell others about the Lord, every one of you is supposed to heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, and cast out devils. Every one of us have that ability on the inside. And we just don't know it. We don't know what we've got. And there's no excuse. We've got a Bible. People died to put this into print. Tyndale was killed brutally and was one of the major players that got this translated. There have been hundreds and hundreds of people died to get this translated into English. And if you don't like King James, these and thous, well, get you one that's the way you like it. You just got no excuse. We've got to get in the Word. And I know some people think I'm belaboring this and overstating it, but I don't think so. I don't think I could emphasize the Word too much. I don't think you can get too strong in the Word. I, th I think you can get too weird in the Word. I think that you can take religion and if you have a wrong thinking, it'll distort. It's like looking at things through some glass, colored glass, and it taints everything. There is a right and a wrong way, a right way to divide the Word of God, but the Word of God, you can't get too strong in the Word of God. You need to get to where you know the Word of God. And if you really want to find God's will for your life, you are going to have to get strong in the Word of God. Satan will always violate the Word. Satan quoted Scripture to Jesus. Matthew chapter 4 and Luke chapter 4 on the Mount of Temptation. But he misquoted it. He quoted Psalms chapter 91. And he says, For it is written that he will give his angels charge over you. And he left off the phrase to keep you in all of your ways, which implies that the angels are only assigned when you are walking in the way that God has designed. The angels aren't going to sit there and protect you if you go out there and do your own thing. And then 
So he left out that phrase to protect you in all of your ways. And then he says, for he will give his angels charge over thee to protect thee in all thy ways. Uh, what does that say? Lest at any time thou dash thy foot. See, he left out the phrase to protect you in all of your ways. And he added the phrase, lest at any time you dash your foot against a stone. That's not true. That's not what... Uh, Psalms chapter 91 says it didn't say that it was at any time under any circumstances. See, Satan will always take a scripture, but he'll pervert it. And if you really know the scripture and have spent time meditating on it, you would recognize that he left out a key phrase and put in a phrase that wasn't there and you would be able to rightly divide this. But people that just know a little bit of the word, you're dangerous. Satan will be able to come and lie and deceive you. You've got to get to where you know the word. And I know I'm just saying it over and over, but I don't know how to make it any stronger. Brothers and sisters, we're perishing for a lack of knowledge. I know that all of you that are out here on a Saturday night, you want to see more. You want to see greater victory. You either have personal needs or you love people and you want to be a part of the solution instead of a part of the problem. And you're praying and asking God. But most of us aren't in the Word. We aren't studying. We don't know what the Word says. We're just stumbling around and trusting other people to digest and tell us what the Word says. You know, I encourage you to take what I'm saying. Take all of these scriptures. Get the CD and write out all of the scriptures and go study them and see if it doesn't say this. Check it by the Word. You can't just depend upon somebody else to feed you. I believe what I'm saying is the truth, but you, you need to know that. You can't take my word for it. You've got to go to the Word of God and find out, is this the Word or isn't it the Word? Is this what the Bible says? You're going to wind up saying, well, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus whom Andrew preaches. The devil is going to say, I know Jesus and I know Andrew, but who are you? You've got to find this out for yourself. Amen. And I promise you, if you will take the things that we've talked about this weekend, and if you live this and put it into practice, you would have to backslide on God. You'd have to rebel at God to keep from finding His perfect will. Your life would turn around, things would begin to work, and it's going to be a process, but it would work. I can guarantee you. Amen. 100% guarantee. We hope that your heart has been quickened by hearing the Word of God through this message. Remember, Andrew Womack Ministries operates a helpline that you can call for prayer and information at 719-635-1111. We have a ministry website at www.awmi.net and you can write the ministry at P.O. Box 3333 Colorado Springs, 80934. Until next time, we pray that you will reach out by faith and receive everything that is yours through God's grace.